When I first started this show, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know how to plug in a microphone. Everything was sort of upside down. Eventually, I got a little bit better, sharpened my skills. But isn't that what life is all about? It's full of starts. Some are inspiring, and some are more deadly than others. Welcome to Earth's Story. Bonus episode. I have a reoccurring guest today. That is Tiffany Christina Lewis. She is the author of multiple books. And also, she's the CEO of Rebellion Lit. And also, I mean, Tiffany does it all. She's also the host of Beta Reader Bits. I'm also the producer of that show as well. She's here today to talk about the start. It's her first anthology. And within this anthology, there is a couple of writers that are also within this season of Welcome to Earth Stories. Tiffany's a dear friend. She's an incredible, gifted writer. And I'm sure you're going to get so much out of the behind the scenes of what it takes to put together a book of this magnitude. So without further ado. Um, yeah, get on with it. Here's my guest, Tiffany Christina Lewis. Hey, Tiffany, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You and I have talked before about, about the start. And how was that the start of, of the whole thing? <laughs> of the, the idea that you had of putting together different writers and, and different fields. But just to hear from you, I know that with such a book, you can't just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to write an anthology or I'm going to put together an anthology, better yet. What was your motivation? I want to give a huge shout out to Victoria. She is my, she is my everything in this sense of the conversation. Because when I talk about her, it depends on what I'm talking about is which title that I will use for her. But in this sense, she is my editorial assistant. She read every single story. She helped us make all kinds of decisions. She gave insight on editing and formatting for the book. She is literally my right-hand woman. And what we were discussing with the company overall was how do we proceed? Because this is a rebellion lit thing. This is not like a Tiffany Christina Lewis thing. And it's a hard distinction because I am an author in that sense, but I'm the editor-in-chief of Rebellion Lit. That puts on a different hat. So we were just kind of talking about what we want to do with the company where we want everything to go. And years ago, we started talking about anthologies because the goal of Rebellion is to uplift authors. We try to have as unselfish of a stance as possible, which is why we're a paying company. We pay authors for their work. It's why we try to collaborate with them as much as possible on how their work is released. And so everything kind of started with my books. We released the whole Michael Taylor series. Inside Out, Stitches, El Jefe, She. And we released Helpless. We released, which you and I have talked about on the podcast. We released Alyssa Fairfield. All of my books that have come out, starting with Stitches, we have released on Rebellion Lit, which was great. And we learned a lot. But we finally said, okay, it's time to impact other people. My books being released is just a toss up now. We can kind of do it whenever we're ready. And so this was the thing. How can we help and impact authors? 
And nothing is more impactful, in my opinion, than being published. This was where the idea for the anthology came blankly, just we're going to do an anthology, which means we can pay authors for their work. But then the development of the ideas, like which, what is the first anthology going to be, came after that. So like the bigger picture of we want to publish authors was first, and then how will we present the first book? The start came through our brainstorming, just like, okay, it's the first one. Will we call it the first or will we call it this? Or will we, you know, and I just realized that this is the start of relationships with authors. This is our first group of authors who are not, like we've published Carlotta Ardell, we've published Marla Wesley Pulliam. And so we have started relationships with both of them and how we will continue to do that is like the second step. This is the start of our relationship with the 12 authors that we have published now. And so when I thought of it kind of in that way, that's where the literal word, the start and the idea of having stories that symbolize the beginning of something where that's that's what where that actually came from. I think it's a really good idea, even in terms of just from a business point of view. And we'll get to the relationships and everything else and the art form. But putting people on publishing them, like selecting 12 writers and, and paying them, it highlights their work, but also they could be sort of your evangelist of the company. And they could go out and say, hey, you know what? I have a story in this book, The Start. Please come and check it out. In that way, it's a very good business idea. And also, in another way, you're building a community. And that's something that's very hard as, as content creators to do, is to actually form a community about the things that you enjoy. Because it's very lonely. And I said this before on my show, that when you're putting your work out there, it feels like you're just doing it for yourself. When you have a larger picture in mind, as you do, then you have people that are there beside you. You're helping them and they're helping you. And I think that's a very good thing that you're doing. As a publisher, this is one thing that I tell people a lot. We are not the star. Me, Victoria, my staff, the people who work behind the scenes helping us, like the people we work with for cover design and the people, you know, we are not actually recognized so much as we are shepherding people towards an author. This goes double for like when we um, work with Carlotta because she's the face. And we've had so many discussions with her about like, what are you comfortable with in marketing or whatever? Because she has to present whatever we're, we make the plan and she has to, with our assistance, with our resources, push that plan forward. Because, and York, you can be kind of a witness to this. When you see, when Elevated came out, Elevated Inferno, you didn't see like Rebellion, Rebellion, Rebellion. You saw Carlotta star. We bring all the things and then the author has to make the most of that. So you're right, having the 12 authors who could speak to the experience they had or their story and what it means to them and all of those things are, are very valuable to us. But on the flip side, no author is obligated to do anything with us. And so it actually is kind of doubly satisfying when we have authors who are really down for the idea of what we're doing and the the idea of the start. It's been inspiring to see who wants to 
you know, help us and work with us and who's been giving us feedback. And it's been it's been really refreshing. That's good. I do sort of the same thing on my show where before it was just me. I didn't have any voice actors or any other writers. And then I thought, well, how could I make this into a community? So I started inviting other people on the show to play roles, not expecting them to go out and tell their friends. So that, that was a hope, but I didn't force their hand to do that at all. But some of them did. And it just makes the overall experience even better. With the selection of the, of the stories in, in your first anthology, what was your criterion? <laughs> Very little. Very little criteria. We are for sure working with the heartstrings as opposed to working with like, you know, this list of <laughs> all these things that we need. The only the only firm requirement was the length of the story. It couldn't be so long. And I don't think there was any length that it couldn't be short. It just couldn't be too long. But what I will say, I will give this as an example of our criteria. The first story in the book is called Astrid. And this story was literally, what I did was I set up a spreadsheet so I could leave my yes or no, and Victoria could leave her yes and no. We also got um, a tiebreaker judge who I was so thankful for her because we did have a few stories that we were kind of waffling on. We weren't entirely sure. But when we read Astrid and how Astrid got to be the first story in the book was the feeling that we got, the literal chills that we got when we read that story, the shock that we got when we read that story, the very first line of the story or the very first paragraph, and I'm not going to spoil it because I really would love everyone to read this story. I mean, Rhea Hill is the author. They deserve everything that could possibly be given to them for their brilliance in writing. My mouth opened. We have slushed through, we had hundreds of people send us stories. We have slushed through some things that were illegal. People were committing crimes in their stories that we were like, if anyone saw this or knew this person wrote this, they could be investigated. We had at least one story where we said, this is what this person is talking about in their story is literally illegal. So they mentioned something in real life and they put it into the book? No, but their story had an illegal act in it that was not like a murder. We know what crime fiction is like, but something that I can't even say that was done in the story. And we were like, this is terrible. But after reading through all of these things that are either just not well written or disgusted us <laughs> in some cases. I mean, we had one that had the undertones of racism that we were so surprised. Hold up. Because it was written in a way where we were like, this person doesn't even know that they're displaying these like racist traits onto this character. Racism or or negative things can be in stories. I'm not saying that's wrong. It's What's your intention? What's your purpose for including these characteristics? And it was just not there. So did you call him or her out on that? I will say no. And we t we thought and we talked about it a lot. And the only reason that we didn't actually reach out to that person and tell them like, hey, you know, this is this. It, it was so 
when I say undertone, I mean like six feet under. Like it was just very, it was a situation where uh, I'm I'm non-disclosed on this, but basically the character's ethnicity, had their ethnicity been different, this wouldn't have been a stereotyped, like bad trope that we don't want to see in the, the culture of that character as it was written. So like if this character wasn't that ethnicity, then it would not matter as much. But when someone is trying to, and it's like, how do you get on your soapbox and explain to an author? Like it was a tough sell to, and we sent a response letter, but it didn't have the essay on cultural appropriateness or that would have been required in order to like, kind of let this person know. We explained to a certain degree that what we saw there didn't match the vibe that we're trying to send. And I'm saying this in terms that I did not use in the, in the email. <laughs> I used more direct tones in my email. It was kind of like, without giving you a college essay on how this is wrong, this is why you were not chosen. In situations like that, you do have to make a decision on how deep you want to get. That's true. And uh, and for myself with my show, because I'm opening it up now to other writers, I've had conversations offline with other people, friends, family members, because I know that there's going to be situations that comes up where somebody has this political or social point of view. And now I am the kind of like the gatekeeper. This is This is my show. And so how am I going to say to that person, hey, this doesn't really fit what we're all about in Welcome to Earth Stories without totally crushing them? Right. It's a it's a balancing act. It's a tightrope because whether this person even knows that they're doing something wrong, like we we hope that our email would kind of imply that because it's like, oh, we don't do things like this in our company. Again, like you said, you don't want to crush someone. It's a delicate dance for sure. The story that I really enjoyed, and it's on, it's going to be coming out very soon on my show, if not out by now, is Raven Queen. Devlin crouched against the stone wall, Ivy brushing against him. He hung his head between his knees, fingers clawing into his back. <laughs> His heart beat a wild rhythm. <laughs> what an incredible writer. Very, very gifted. The Raven Queen was another one that was really short, succinct. Like if we could have had a book full of like a hundred of the shortest stories, that would have delighted us. We didn't know we wanted 12. Like we weren't saying, oh, just 12. We were saying 50,000 words is the minimum for a novel. So that's what we're going to shoot for. And so everyone just fit in kind of like puzzle pieces in that sense. We have some really long stories. We have some really short stories. And so The Raven Queen was one of those where, like I said, we had to read through a lot of stories after a while. And we were doing this just through osmosis. We didn't even know we were both doing it. But me and Victoria started just reading the shortest stories. (laughs) Like we were saving the very long stories for last because we were kind of like, we got to read, we got to read, we got to read. This was one that we read early on, as well as Astrid, that just blew us away because we were like, wait a minute. Maybe the one-liners were the ones that kind of really hit us because 
from all the stories that I remember, that one line, every single story I think has one line where I was just, my shoes and socks just blew off. Like I fell back in my chair kind of amazement at what they were saying. And there is one line in that story that I did a double take. Because I thought there were only birds. They were more than birds. Vengeance flickered in her eyes. They were my sisters. And you ate them like they were common fowl. I was just like, did she, did this character just say what I think? The character development in this story, I don't want to say too much, but there's only two characters. And the one character that is in opposition, the one, the bad guy, I guess, is how I can call that character. It felt on the page and there wasn't a ton of description, but it was just kind of like, all right, this is the vibe. You get a little Cruella, you get a little bit of Maleficent, you get a little like the darkness and the, like we could feel it in such a short amount of words. And that's where the brilliance was. We were just like, oh, I could feel and see and experience everything. The dread of the other character and everything was just palpable. So Jessica Burson, who is a really good voice actor, good writer as well. She plays the main role. She does a very good job playing the villain. I wanted her voice to be that person because it's just amazing. And that's what I mean. You felt that in the reading because you, your the stories that you selected, you picked from a crop that I sent to you that I said, oh, this I think matches your show. Yeah. And yeah, you felt that. Yeah, it was just absolutely brilliant. I can't say an anything because it'll give the whole story away because it's so short and it's the brevity is refreshing. And this is another thing about the book, the way we've had to set everything up. Like Astrid is the first story. It's very, very short. And it's kind of like a punch in the gut for the reader. So we were like, all right, if you get, if you don't get the feeling that you love this anthology, just from that story, the feeling that we got, then skip the rest because this is like the 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 tippy top of what we feel embodies the idea of the start and of this like drastic feeling that we want to give. So then after that, we had to pace everything. So the next story is a little longer, but it's really fast and it has a lot of energy. And then the next story is a little slower because now you must be in shock of what you've read in these first two stories. So you need a palate cleanser. And so the Raven Queen was another one that I'm like, this one's really short, but it's impactful. I like the fact that this is a thought process, that you didn't just throw in 12 stories randomly, but you said, okay, what is going to start it off? What's the middle going to be like? You want the ebb and flow of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. And I did the same thing with Helpless. Me and my editor talked a long time about where to place each story. I think it is important because Just like in a regular novel, authors are constantly trying to make sure the middle of their story is just as engaging as the start. Because in the beginning, readers are all in. They're they're ready. But by the time they get to the middle, you got to keep them engaged. And so that is kind of an industry thing. Like, how do you keep your reader reading through every single thing that you have to offer? And I was saying to my wife the other day ago, because she's into zombie movies and zombie TV shows. I mean, even way more than me. She even watches the Korean ones. (laughs) And yeah, she's deep into it. 
And I said to her, okay, let's take a look at this zombie show, The Walking Dead, for instance. And I said, I bet that on the next episode, because this episode that we just watched is is extremely intense. On the next one, they're going to soften things up. Yep. It's going to be a character episode. That's kind of what they do. They get into the characters and they develop them. They have sweet moments. And then they run again (laughs) the next week. (laughs) Yeah, I I said to her, they're not going to make every single episode intense all the way through because it's just too much on, on the brain, too much on the eyes. Early, early in my beta reading career, I read a story and I was just drained by it. I was saying, you are killing your darling and killing your darling and killing your darling and every single thing is tragic. Every single thing is painful. At first you're like, oh, that was really sad, but everything's gonna be okay and I'm rooting for this person. It's kind of like a friend that you have who every single time you see them, they have something sad or something bad happen to them. My dog died, my wife left me and I burnt the toast. It gets incredibly draining. So. I think it goes in all directions. Like you don't want too much action. You don't want too much sadness. You don't even want too many good things. The character only experiences good things all the time. That is boring. And so I think that having balance in in everything, the TV, you know, the shows, the movies, the books, like all of our entertainment has to be balanced because the human mind is amazing how like we do want to have those exciting moments. But if we don't calm down, it can be painful for us, distracting and and kind of frustrating even to some viewers and, and readers. It's all about balance and everything, I think. It is. And I think Echabob Ebenezer, with his, with his story, The Taste of Water, he does a really good job in balancing things out. When you hear it, you're thinking, is this an alien threat? Is this domestic terrorist or is this a disease? You're not really, really sure. So he was a really good addition to your to your story. And it was a challenge for me to produce. That was the hardest episode out of all the episodes of Welcome to Earth Stories that I've ever produced. Unfortunately, most Russians lived in colossal apartment blocks that shared a single ventilation system and the clouds of dust billowed out of every vent. We don't know at this hour what this dust substance is, but as you can see, it has severely blocked our view. Saudi Arabia, Turkey and Israel all tried similar methods with varying degrees of success. Major cities across Europe and Africa pleaded with their populations to stay at home. But by then, large protests were forming over government inaction, ineffective mandates, and increasing reports of military injustices. I can guess that part of the reason is because it's very long. The story is so long, but there is nothing that is not needed. I like what you were saying about you didn't know if it was terrorism or if it was a disease because he absolutely just like, he takes the feeling of both of those things. When you think of terrorism or whatever that looks like, it's like the news, it's like, Turn yourself in. This idea of if you've been exposed or if you know something about this, call or come down here. Like the feeling of like you are a suspect even though you haven't done anything wrong. That's what that's kind of like. But then the disease aspect, is it a disease? Because someone is sick 
and the CDC is involved or those two things don't even match in real life. Like, yes, anthrax or I don't know what, you know, um, chemical warfare is a thing, but they felt really separate to me in the story. Every now and again, we're hearing something and this girl had a cold, but then they're thinking it came from another country. And a lot of times when the news talks about other countries, it's not always good and we're kind of nervous. And just all of that combined was just kind of a mystery. We do not know what is going on. And so he did a really good job of drawing all of that out while the character, the one character is experiencing the disease of it all. The other character is experiencing the terrorism or the crime of it all because he's seeing and hearing things and he's kind of concerned for the sick character because what if they think the sick character did something wrong? This was one of the few stories that was this long that Victoria and I had no problem getting through because it was just well progressed, just like boom, 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 things were happening. And even when there was quote unquote downtime, it was full of important information and information that wasn't like, it felt so real. That was another thing about the story was how real it felt. Are you going to be doing this once a year with your anthology or how how are you going to be releasing these? Yeah, we're planning once a year. We're hoping to just keep the same exact schedule that we used this year. So we ask for submissions in October. We read until December or January, and then we release the book in May. So every single year, and hopefully in the same timeline. So every May, we would have an anthology. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Tiffany. Thank you for being on the show, for being a great guest, for being a really good friend. And thank you for this anthology, The Start. So I'm going to let all my listeners know where they could get a copy of this. And once again, thank you for being an incredible earthling. (laughs) Thank you, York. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode. The Start by Rebellion Lit is available right now. There's a link on my website, welcometoearthstories.com. The book is also available wherever fine books are sold. I've always wanted to say that. I'm sure you did, smarty pants. Once again, you can go on my website, welcometoearthstories.com. Like wrap it up already, they get the point. Thank you so much once again for listening and for giving back to the show by you telling a friend. If you want to give back financially, you could buy me a coffee. How that works? You're driving me crazy. They know how this works. You could go on the website, buymeacoffee.com slash earthstories. You could give as a one-time gift or you could be a reoccurring monthly contributor. And while you're there, There's other episodes that I've recorded that doesn't fit into the theme of Welcome to Earth Stories. So when you're on the website, buymeacoffee.com slash earthstories, click on post to hear other material. That's it for me, and I'll see you on the next episode. You take care. When I snap my finger, you will wake up from this episode like it never happened. However, your life and everything around you will be changed. You'll start that new relationship and start taking command of your life. Welcome to Earth Stories. You will start looking to the future rather than dwelling in the past. Are you ready, dear listener? At the count of three and at the snap of my finger. One. Two. Three.